Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And, you know, uh, I just want to build a nice little comfy section in this room, just a little... A little comfy area that I can just snuggle up in and go to sleep. I'm going to call it my nest. And then uh, we got an, uh, some requests for people that uh, they wanted me to cover the nest technology. It's really just a bunch of pillows and blankets. I don't know what the big deal is. Well, I mean, it's, it's a pillow fort. It's really pretty advanced. It's true. what it is. It's true. It's true. Now, structurally speaking, it is not the most sound of, uh, of actual buildings. Uh, we have had a collapse, but fortunately, everyone was just cuddled. So it's perfectly... Oh wait! Yeah, there's there's another nest. Uh, right. There's oh, there's yeah. we're, we're on the show called Tech Stuff. That's why there was all that stuff on Twitter, right? Yeah, Google has not actually offered to buy your pillow fort for three point two billion dollars. I need to retract an email I just sent. All right. Uh, 
Yeah, so we're going to talk today about the Nest Labs company and uh, and the products they make. And like Lauren was saying, Google has made a really incredible move in offering to purchase Nest for a what some might call a ridiculous sum of money. I I think that 3.2 billion counts as pretty ridiculous. Well, I mean, I mean It's a company that makes two things so far. Yes, and and it's only existed since 2010. It's, so Yeah. And they've only been having stuff that they could sell since 2011. So anyway, let's let's talk about this. I, if you had told me 10 years ago that I'd be sitting down and talking into a, a microphone to record a show about a company that's big product is a thermostat. First, I would say, who are you and why are you in this consulting firm? Because that's where I was 10 years ago. But moreover, I just said, no, I wouldn't. Who who would want to listen to that? Well, okay. There has been a lot of buzz about Nest over the past couple of years that it has existed because mm-hmm. they they make these these smart devices, smart thermostats, and um smart smoke detector uh, slash, slash carbon, carbon monoxide. monoxide detector. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and you know, with the Internet of Things becoming more of a real thing, mm-hmm. people have been excited about this as one of the leading companies that's creating the kind of hardware that you can use to to make your home an Internet of Things. Yeah, um, and, and also. The design aesthetic, right? Oh, oh it's sure, gorgeous. It, it is, and and it, and it works with your smartphone, and that's all terrific. And uh, and I did want to mention that, for the record, thermostats are kind of a big business. There's some 10 million sold in the U.S. every year, and they control some half of the energy used in U.S. homes. Right. So this is not insignificant. Yeah. If you talk, if you look at your energy bill and you divide it by two, that amount of money. Is going straight to your your home, HVAC, yeah, your, HVAC your system, exactly. Heating and cooling, yeah. Yeah. So if you are able to make an impact on that, it it will reflect in the amount of money you have to spend on energy bills, particularly if you live in a place where you have a fairly extreme climate, so that your you know HVAC system has to work extra hard to make sure your living space is a comfortable one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in fact, what this all comes back to a guy named Tony Fidel who uh, once upon a time worked for a little company called Apple. Uh, yeah, by worked, we mean that he kind of led the iPod and kind of the, the iPhone yeah, yeah. teams for a while. For, for multiple generations for iPod and I think three generations of iPhone, he was overseeing that. He was senior vice president of those departments. And, uh, and so, yeah, we're talking about someone who definitely knew about designing for a particular aesthetic uh, and to create something that is attractive for consumers, because it's easy for us to forget this. And I know we say it on tech stuff all the time, so maybe it's not easy for you to forget because we say it so frequently. But before the iPod, you know, MP3 players existed. There were oh, MP3 plenty, players, plenty but, of, right. but no one had really designed one that really caught the public's attention. Like there were there was no one that was a dominant player uh, at the time. And then the iPod's design really started to kind of dominate to the point where you started seeing other companies' designs look more iPod-ish. Oh, sure. Not to try and stir up any patent, you know, wars again. And and then, no, but but people realized that, I mean, previous to that, I think that most MP3 players looked like they they were functional. Yeah, um, they looked like bricks. I yeah. had one. I mean, I had one that I loved because it was probably about... 80% the price of an iPod, but it had sure. twice the capacity, mm-hmm. but it looked like a brick and yeah. it felt like one too. It was heavy, but the, uh, you know, and the iPhone, another great example. We've talked about that before too, oh, about how 
in in the United States, smartphones were pretty much the realm of executives, right? Like BlackBerry was king in the U.S. Uh, now, in Europe and in Japan, that was a different story, but not here in the U.S. It wasn't until the iPhone came out that you started seeing the consumer market move toward it. So this is a guy who was right there on the forefront. He knew a thing or two about, you know, making sure you had an attractive product. But that's not exactly what got him excited about this. First of all, he retired. He retired in 2008 from Apple. He was, he was like, okay, I have made my mark. I, I have helped bring two, uh, really influential products to the market. I may rest. But apparently things just weren't always, you know, the most comfortable temperature at the Fidel house. <laughs> Maybe he just got up to change the thermostat one too many times. And he started thinking about this fact, the fact that half of your energy is spent controlling the climate of your home. And that according to at least some study that he was aware of, because it's in a blog post on the uh, the Nest uh, Web page, that the average person adjusts his or her thermostat fifteen hundred times a year. Wow! And so, and 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 furthermore, he was you know he was trying to update his home to mm-hmm. he he was like we've got these gorgeous products for our music and for our communication. Why can't we have that kind of thing for everything yeah, in why, our house? Why does why does this control for my climate where apparently I'm getting up to do it? Multiple times a day, because if it's 1500 times a year, that's, you know, that's a bunch. That's a bunch. Why is it so boxy and ugly? And because, you know, most thermostats not really aesthetically pleasing. They're, they're functional, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, yeah, about yeah, it. yeah. According to another guy that we're going to be talking about in just a couple of seconds, uh, the design, the basic design on thermostats has not really changed since the 1950s. Yeah. You either have the digital kind or you have the old kind that has sort of a, uh, a coiled uh, thermometer in it. If you want to know more, you can actually go back. We did a tech stuff episode about how thermostats work back in the day where we talk about the actual, the actual mechanics of a thermostat, uh, both the, I, I think we mainly focused on the old, the old uh, mercury switch kind, but there are various other types as well. Um, and another thing that Fidel was thinking about was the fact that he, you know, we, we live in the incredible future. Why can't I control my thermostat from my smartphone? Right. And and, and and there were some products out there that would let you do that, but they cost like $500 a unit. Right. And you had to, you know, you, you essentially had to go to some sort of home automation specialist and then have that installed for have you. Have them wire wire these things in for yeah, you. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like something where you could go to a warehouse in or or, or some uh, major store. Like a Home Depot a or Home whatever. Depot or yeah. a Lowe's or something mm-hmm. like that and say... Show me where the automated or the, uh, the remote thermostats are because it was all packages that you had to go through contractors to get. Right. And so not the, not the most accessible, certainly. And he also realized that we were getting to a point as far as computer software is concerned where you could create very sophisticated algorithms that could have quote unquote learning behavior. Right. They could start to recognize patterns and then respond to those patterns in a predetermined way. So the big example that we would have with Nest is that if no one's in the house, there's no need to have the heat cranked up or the AC cranked up to keep the house at the regular comfortable temperature. And if you know when people are coming home... Oh, right, if it notices that you come home at 6.30 every night, then it can uh, start working the house towards that temperature whenever it needs to in order to have it ready for you to get home. Yeah, so when you walk through the door, it feels as if your house has stayed that temperature all day long, whereas the reality is 
between the hours of whatever and whatever, it was not, you know, the, either the system wasn't working at all or it wasn't working nearly at full capacity. It was working enough so that it wouldn't take to too much work to ambient. keep it. Yeah. 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 You don't want to, I mean, this, obviously you don't want to shut everything down. Like if it's, if it's the, the, uh, what was, what do they call it? The polar vortex <laughs> when, uh, it was when I was at CES. So I missed it. I wasn't here in Atlanta. That's what they it called was it. Nine though. degrees here. There's some kind of science about it that I think that we have actually written stuff about on how stuff works at this point, but right. I have no idea. I just how it saw works. tweets that said polar vortex. I was like, I, I don't know what that is. It the day after tomorrow back in Atlanta? I don't know. No, it so, was nine degrees. It was basically. I but mean, yeah, <laughs> in that case, you wouldn't want the house to get all the way down to you know below freezing. Obviously, certainly not. <laughs> but but at the same time, you wouldn't want it to be at you know seventy five degrees because you'd be using a lot of energy while you're not actually there. So yeah, it, it needed. He saw the problem. He the, it was an engineering problem. You had to build a device that could monitor the temperature, keep it within a certain range. And then be flexible enough so that that range changes based upon the parameters that are present. And also, if you happen to like it warm in the morning but cold at night, then if you had a thermostat that could learn these patterns, it could start to anticipate it and change them for you proactively. So you don't have to be the one to go up there and say like, oh, you know. Uh, I like it cold when I go to bed, but when I wake up, it's it's my body temperature is so low. I need to get my temperature up. I need it to be warmer. Mm-hmm. So this was a, a a great opportunity he saw. So he he ended up contacting a couple of other folks and uh, working on an idea for a learning thermostat. Yeah, and these were mostly other ex Apple folks, or mm-hmm. perhaps folks that were maybe at the time still working for Apple. They, I'm not sure exactly the date lines of these. They're certainly ex Apple folks now. Yes, um, and and one of them, uh, Mr. Matt Rogers, he would wind up uh, co-founding this company nest with in mm. 2010 yep so 2010 is uh when nest labs officially forms may 2010 specifically and they their strategy was to be kind of quiet about what they were doing they they didn't talk about their products they didn't talk about their lines of research really and so it kind of took the world by surprise when in october of 2011 fidel essentially announces hey here's this thing we've been working on it's this little round gorgeous looking device that's actually a thermostat and it's smart and it can connect to Wi-Fi and you can adjust it with your phone and it learns what you like. And people were just thinking, you are saying too many things, Mr. Man. I don't know what you're what's going on. <laughs> I think they owe so much of their um, just general corporate feel from Apple. Uh, yeah. You know, Matt, Matt Rogers strikes me as kind of an Apple fanboy who who became eventually one of the um, iPod software developers there. Um, but he has said that his first computer when he was like three years old was a Macintosh Plus and that um, a lot of the, you know, design sensibility and just just concepts of how to run a business are definitely deeply owed to Apple in general and Steve Jobs very particularly. Sure. And you can certainly see elements of that. When you look at at both the company and its products, so uh, Fidel wrote a blog post that went up on the Nest website uh, on October twenty fifth, twenty eleven, and kind of explained why a thermostat. Because that was you know the the you had two big reactions from people when this was first announced. People would say, "Huh." Like what? What? What's your game? Why would you even do this? And the other were like, where, when, and where can I buy one of these? Because it looks beautiful. Uh-huh. And I mean, I remember when this came out because I remember, you know, I was a big fan of shows like CNET's Buzz Out Loud, 
And I remember people like Tom Merritt and Molly Wood going, uh, uh, you know, kind of bonkers over this thing. They were, they were like, this. Oh yeah, it's the press really... was freaking out about it. Yeah, and at the same time, when I started looking into it, I'm like, gosh, I kind of want one of those too. Well, he in that blog post laid out what it was they wanted the thermostat to be able to do. He said he wanted to design the thermostat to learn your preferred temperature and schedule, sense when you left the house or when you came home. Uh, to give you tips and feedback on your energy use, to be able to connect to Wi-Fi so you could control it from anywhere, for it to look beautiful, and for you to feel proud to actually be an owner of it, which is very Steve Jobs-ish kind of thing, right? Right, right. And also to have a positive impact on the world. And, you know, I, I honestly think, based upon the work that this company has done, they're being they're being uh, sincere, about that. It's not that, you know, it's obviously it's a business. Oh, sure. But it's not something where I don't think that's just lip service. Like, let's make the world a better place. I, I haven't heard any numbers from outside sources, but according to the company, um, as of as of only February of 2013, they had already helped um, energy efficiency to the tune of saving like 225 million kilowatt hours of energy. So I'm like. $29 million worth in, in U.S. Uh, yeah. conversion. So you're saving money and you're also, by by taking down some of that demand, we don't have to produce as much energy. Right, we're not wasting it on uh, on heating an empty house yeah. or we're not burning, whatever. We're not burning even more coal or, or using up more natural gas or whatever mm-hmm. it happens to be that is providing the heat and or uh, AC for those homes. And um, it's interesting. They started taking pre-orders for the Nest thermostat. Uh, and on, I think that was a, at a price point of $250. Yeah, which I believe is what still is today. Uh-huh. So $250. So, you know, not a small amount of money for something like that. Uh, but still cheaper than any of, I mean, by half cheaper than any relatively similar products in the market. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also it would ultimately save you money, right. uh, assuming that you're using it properly. So, But at any rate, pre-orders, yes. Pre-orders within three days of uh, of them talking about this, that within that blog post going up, they had sold out of all of their stock that they had planned on producing wow. in the short term. So after three days of the store being open, they shut it. They closed the store after three days with the explanation of, guys, this had uh, way more of a demand than we had anticipated. We knew that we had something potentially big on our hands. We didn't know that all of you would agree with us. And so they closed the store and they started working very hard on meeting the demands of the initial pre-orders, as well as figuring out how were they going to meet the uh, expanded demand. And it wouldn't be until... uh Later in, uh, I think it was March 2012. So they, they shut the store down November 2011. It's not until March 2012 that they're wow. able to open the store back up again. Uh huh. I'm sure that most of that time was devoted to, um, to investment related issues and. Sure. And maybe like, uh, uh, streamlining manufacturing processes, uh-huh. getting the supply chain in order, you know, lots of stuff that. The background in, stuff. Yeah. It's not terribly exciting to talk about. It's not really sexy, but yeah. it's pretty important. It turns out that that's a big deal. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. 
Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll board it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And so starting in May 2012, the Nest thermostat became available in other places besides their online store. You could get it at Lowe's hardware stores. Uh, by June, you could get it on Amazon. Uh, by a little bit later in the year, I think by October of that year, you could get it at Best Buy. You can even get it at the Apple <laughs> online store. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, they, obviously the relation, I don't know, obvi- right now, I don't know if that's going to be, be the same now that Google has, is acquiring Nest. Yeah, that's a good um, question. They, they, they have affirmed that they are going to, um, continue supporting I, iOS products. Exactly. Yeah. It's not going to be like suddenly your iPhone is unable to adjust the temperature of your home. Oh, right. That would be, that would be a pretty ridiculously poor business decision. And yeah. I think, I think that Google and Apple have both learned their lesson on that kind of thing. I mean, you even had for a while, you had one person, like you had the CEO of Google sitting on the board of directors of Apple for a while. Uh, that was Eric Schmidt. The, right. that, that didn't last forever. He did step down for the board of directors eventually, but the relationship between Google and Apple is not always contentious, even though they are direct competitors, at least in the mobile space. Right. And arguably in the computer space, but I don't think Chromebooks are really that big of a competitor against Yet, Mac. At any rate. Yeah. At any rate, getting back to Nest. So, 
by October 2012, remember, this is just one year, not even a full year uh, since they had announced it, because they, they announced it late in October 2011. But in October 2012, the second generation of Nest thermostat debuted. And um, this one was, uh, you know, a little sexier even. It was 20% mm-hmm. thinner. So mm-hmm. it, they were able to miniaturize some of the components, make it even more compact, which is kind of astounding because they even increased the cap- capabilities right. of the second generation. So the first generation worked with, oh, I don't know, it was something like 50% of HVAC systems out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you had to check to make sure before, you know, they, they stressed check to make sure that the one that you have, the system you have is, uh, is, is compatible with right. the Nest system. Right. Uh, well, they, they were able to open that up to a much larger percentage of the, the market. Uh, they also were able to create a device that could work with, uh, HVAC systems that had two different capacities for cooling down your house. So some of them would work at 100% sometime and then knock it down to 50%. Uh, for just maintaining a temperature uh-huh. or if it didn't need to, like if you're getting, starting to approach the temperature, then it might, it might, uh, power down a little bit, but not turn all the way off. Uh huh. Well, those systems have two dedicated wires for that. There's one dedicated for the 50%, there's one dedicated for the 100%. And the original Nest did not have the capability to of, work with both. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't, it didn't have a place to plug both of those in. Uh-huh. Uh, the second Nest did. So you could do that. It also works with multi-stage heating systems. It works with systems that have humidifiers or dehumidifiers. Uh-huh. And, and across all energy modes. I mean, uh, if you've got gas or propane or electricity right. or uh, et cetera, et cetera, yeah, et yeah. Et cetera. So, so it definitely opened up the market a lot wider than the initial Nest did. And again, it was smaller, too. So um, or at least it was thinner. It didn't project right. out as far from, from the, the wall. wall. So, uh, yeah, they they say that uh Three out of four of their Nest customers opt to install it themselves and that it can be installed within 30 minutes. They also have the Nest concierge service. So if you feel like you are one of those, one of the 25% who would uh, likely electrocute him or herself were you to attempt to install it, such as, I don't know, yours truly. Uh, I, not that I have a Nest, but if I did, I would totally... <laughs> I'm tech savvy, which means I also know it can kill me. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can actually uh, opt for an additional fee to have uh, someone come out and help you. So then in uh, May 2013, Nest made its first acquisition. Uh, it was a company called My Energy, which specifically builds products that let users track energy usage and savings. So the idea is by getting some more analytic data and some more collective uh, uh, products, they can make the Nest even more effective and make products further down the line that are able to incorporate some of this uh, analysis so that you get an even more granular idea of what's going on and how you can save energy. Now, as we've seen in the past, there's a huge market for stuff that collects data and then analyzes it and presents it to you in an understandable way. Oh, sure. And and basically, anytime that you allow these days, um, you know, nerds, which are most of us, let's be honest, yeah. and, um, to to min max their surroundings, oh, they're sure. going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fitness trackers, perfect example, right? Sure, yeah. Being able to sit there and say, like, now I'm able to track every single calorie that I intake and burn. I don't mean to make you check your force while you're doing that, but it's a little bit over a thousand today. Okay, all I'm right. going to work out when I get okay, home. Okay, that's good. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not wearing any of my 
uh, accoutrement today. Not even my pebble. I feel uh, a little lost without it, to be honest. But anyway, so clearly there's a market there. So it makes sense to bring that in and incorporate that in the Nest family. Uh-huh. But then, uh, you know, we get over toward the end of uh, 2013. They also introduced a brand new product. And that's the Nest Protect. That's their smoke detector and carbon monoxide detector. Right. Now, this was obviously a departure. And some people, again, were thinking, why Why would you? Why would I need one of those to be smart? Right. Doesn't the thing on the ceiling that beeps do just as well? But this one, again, is Wi-Fi enabled. It can connect to uh, an app so that that way you can get an alert on your phone mm-hmm. if your smoke detector goes off, which obviously could be, you know, that could be monumentally important. Oh, sure, sure. Um, it can uh, it, it will wirelessly connect to other smoke detectors in your house so that if, for example, there is a fire in the kitchen, then all of them, when they go off, can say, hey, there's a fire in the kitchen. Right. It can specifically tell you where the alarm was triggered. Mm-hmm. A lot of smoke detector systems are wired together so that if one alarm is triggered, they all. Trip, they right? all, yeah, they all beep, but they don't tell you which one it was that was set off, right? Mm-hmm. So y- you have the information that you need in order to get out, but you might not have the information you need to maybe to get out very safely, or or, or to, to or to actually diffuse a situation before right. it gets you know uh, mm-hmm. unmanageable, because yeah. it may be that there's something smoking that you can actually take care of. And minimize the damage. But if you don't know where in the house that's taking place, obviously the most important thing for you to do is to get out safely, right? Mm-hmm. Clearly. So this would give you more information about that. It also had, of course, the carbon monoxide monitor, which is also very important. Um, it also will work wirelessly with Nest thermostats. Right. So if the carbon monoxide uh, a sensor picks up a, a concentration, it'll send a message to the Nest thermostat to say, hey, shut off the furnace because we have a leak somewhere Very or something's clever. going on. Yeah. 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 Really neat stuff. And um, these are less expensive than the Nest thermostats. The thermostats are 250. The uh, smoke detectors are about, I think, 130 to 150, as I recall. I didn't write it down in front of me, but I know it's right in that range because I was actually looking at it to... um possibly replace my smoke detectors. Wow. Yeah. But if I do that, I will have to buy five of them because I have five smoke detectors in my house. Anyone who follows me on Twitter saw that that terrible <laughs> day when I got home and one of them was chirping and the way my house is laid out, I could not tell which one it was. So I had to go out and get new batteries for all of my smoke detectors, which you should do anyway. But Well, yeah, yeah, but... This would actually tell me what's going on. Also, it's designed to be very, uh, very careful with power consumption and in the and it even says you wouldn't have to replace the batteries every single year but it would give you an alert when it has to in fact it would send you a message on your phone so that you wouldn't have to sit there and listen to that chirp forever trying to figure out right and if you're away from your house and you get that message then you actually have the opportunity to go and buy a battery before you get back and realize that you need to go back out again mm-hmm. so very clever. And, uh, yeah, it's, it looks like it's a pretty neat product. You do have to replace it every seven years or so because, uh, because the detectors will eventually wear out. Yeah, it's a chemical based thing, I believe. Specifically, so. yeah, the carbon monoxide sensors in particular. That's, mm-hmm. that, that's typical, by the way. If you think that that's unusual, no, that's not unusual for carbon monoxide detectors. Uh, you do have to replace those regularly because the sensors do wear out over time. Mm-hmm. Um, smoke detectors tend to last a little bit longer, but, 
carbon monoxide. Uh, I, I think it's still that. recommended to replace your your smoke detectors once every ten years or so. Yeah, I'm. I don't have the number in front of me, but yeah, I feel I th- like I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, and all of these devices, by the way, do have um activity detection, like like motion and light sensors on them, so that they know when you're coming uh to and fro rooms. No, sure. Yeah. Um, so that they can all link up and decide, you know, figure out when someone is in there and whether or not they need to be activated for for the for the thermostat's sake. Um, sure. Although the carbon monoxide and smoke detectors work together with the thermostats to help them cover more area. And they also uh, have lights in them and will light up if you want them to. So that when you uh, you can set it so like if it's in bedroom mode, it won't do that. So if it detects motion, it won't light up and wake you up. But if it's in a hallway and you walk out, it'll end up acting like a little nightlight, uh, which I thought was kind of cute, too. And it, And the light changes color and will give you a warning. This is probably the thing I like the most about the smoke detector. So let's say it starts detecting a little bit of smoke, and it's not enough for it to trigger a full warning yet, but it wants to alert you to this fact. It'll give you an actual human voice uh, uh, warning saying that there is detecting some smoke, and the little blue ring of light on the device will turn to yellow. And then if you go to it, and let's say you are like me, and you're attempting to roast some veggies and you did not realize that you had a little bit of minced garlic on the burner or whatever. And that's the only reason there's any smoke at all. Uh, you can wave physically at the the smoke detector and it'll say, oh, false alarm. Well, then never mind. And it'll shut itself off. It'll never do the full blast wow, alarm. That's great. So my dog would be so excited about that. Yes. She- <laughs> yes. My dog, too. Yeah. So the idea of being able to. uh not have the typical response in the Strickland household where the alarm goes off and then the other person in the house helpfully chimes out, dinner must be ready. That would be nice. That's my life. All right. So we've got a lot more to talk about with Nest, including, of course, the big story with Google. But before we get into all of that, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. 
That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was boarded! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so it's 2014, and uh, in 2014, there was some really big news, especially, like, we're recording this podcast on January 16th, 2014. Mm -hmm. It was not very long ago at all when we heard the news that Google was acquiring Nest for the sum of around three, depends upon who you ask, some say 3.2 billion, some say 3.1, some say 3.5, but in excess Over of 3 billion. Three. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that the official news might have broken on the 13th of January. That's, um, yeah, not long at all. Right. Uh, from when we're recording this. And, and the thing is, the thing is that Fidel had had a meeting with them before Nest even launched. Um, and then at the 2011 TED conference, uh, he and Sergey Brin, had a, a big powwow. Uh, and they, they, they showed him a, a video and a prototype of the Nest and kind of got them pretty excited about it, like excited enough that in May of that year, Google led their first round of financing. I guess it was their second round of financing, but um, and and would also lead their next round of financing the next year. Yeah. So, so, so Google was involved early on in making sure that this company was going to get the funding it needed to do the work they were doing. And I mean, if you look at some of Google's other stuff that they're doing with uh, like autonomous driving is probably the easiest oh, uh, yeah. example, right? You, right. you can you can see that this sort of these algorithms and these products fit very well into this kind of integrated, uh, you know, using information in an actual real world physical way. Yeah. And, and it's been such a big year for Google in terms of hardware. Um, you know, they they acquired Motorola for what, like twelve point five billion dollars. Right. Uh, they've been working so much with Chromebook. Uh, they they've been working with Glass. They've got a rumored smartwatch pro- project that that could be coming out this year. But uh. Uh, although although rumored smartwatch projects are pretty bountiful. I've got I've days. got three more watches on the way to me, so uh I'll I'll get excited about that when I see a picture. I've got a watch problem, okay? I and I, I imagine that CES did not help that at all. Actually, I, it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw a lot of watches, but I thought, no, I think I've got that one covered. With one exception, 
but we'll talk about that in the CES. Well, we have already talked about that, the CES podcast. We just haven't recorded it yet. Yes. They're publishing in opposite order, I think. So <laughs> you guys out there have already heard me talk about it, but I have not, will have already talked about it yet, I think. I need to diagram that sentence. Go on. Yes. Um, okay. And so, so both Google and Nest have, have indicated that Nest is going to remain its own sort of independent thing. Which, um, you know, that was, that was one of the big concerns, right? People, oh, sure. one of those knee jerk reactions is Google's going to purchase this company that does smoke detectors. Does that mean that Google is going to change it? In some way, like, is it going to no longer be the thing that we got are, excited are, about? Right. Are, are they going to uh, make them work on some other projects instead of what they were originally created for? Right. And they've said, nope, um, that Google is mostly going to be providing, you know, the kind of money and infrastructure and marketing teams and tech resources that will let Nest be more themselves than they ever have been before. And other concerns, like the other big one is that you could conceive of Nest uh, devices gathering lots of different information. Like how Well, I mean they, they they do gather lots of different information. Um and how that is going to be put to use is a pretty big and pretty fair, I think, concern from sure. a lot of sectors right and, now. And Nest has already come out and said that they don't they don't plan on changing their privacy uh, statements. Well, they, they said, and, and I quote from their blog, um, our privacy policy clearly limits the use of customer information to providing and improving Nest's products and services. We've always taken privacy seriously, and this will not change. Right. So the fact that they take privacy seriously won't change. They haven't said that their privacy policies won't change. Okay, fair enough. If you're going to parse it to that level, but... <laughs> I think I think the main concern people had was, all right, so does this mean you're going to send Google all this information about when I'm home, when I'm not home, how active I am, what I, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, how many people tend to be in my house? At what any rooms given time. I spend the most time in. Right. Um, is all the information going to go to Google and then I'm going to get directed advertising or worse because of this? And I think that was them saying, like, that's not going to happen. You're not going to you're not going right. to have your your smoke detector and your thermostat tattling on you. Well, I mean, you know, I could, I could certainly see uh, one of the concerns that I that I've read about was that um, Google could sell your your energy usage data to providers to let them advertise to you more savvily, um, and I can totally picture Google doing that. I mean, maybe, yeah, kind of. I could see it happening. I mean, if let me put it to you this way: if that would mean at the end of the day that I actually had the opportunity to take advantage of genuinely good. Deals, I wouldn't necessarily be upset about that. Yeah. And and to be fair, Nest already does have partnerships with energy providers. Um, I mean, they are opt in and but it's for, you know, either free or discounted equipment or rates on energy use. So. And I would hope they would remain an opt in approach that would I always prefer opt in to opt out. Oh, because yes. when you know that you can take advantage of this stuff, but you don't feel like that's a, a, appropriate, mm-hmm. then you don't have to do anything. I hate systems where it just assumes that you are in whole hog and then you have to hunt through this labyrinthian system to find the one checkbox to uncheck so that you are I'm looking at you Facebook so that you can <laughs> so that you can uh, uh get out of that system. Right. So as long as it remains opt in and of course that's a big if, right? I mean, that's I, I like to wear rose-colored glasses for this sort of stuff, but I am aware that sometimes companies make these changes, but as long as it remains opt in, I'm 
perfectly fine with this. Sure, sure. Um, but at any rate, anytime you're talking about any kind of device that's collecting information in one way or another. How that data could eventually be used is always going to be a concern. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one, one other uh, Google's sway kind of concern is that it's going to is that it may become difficult to not have a Nest installed in your house if mm. they get enough contracts with enough HVAC providers and uh, which, you know, they certainly have the the money and the marketing power to do. Then, um, you know, having having these providers say because you can buy a Nest retail, but you can also get it through whatever company you use to uh, to heat and cool your home. Sure. And so people have expressed a concern that uh, that. It will be harder and harder to have a non-smart thermostat in your house once these things really catch on and people figure out how much uh, money and equipment wear and tear can be saved by installing them. Oh, sure. If you have a system that is dependent upon Nest thermostat, not that there are such systems right now, mm-hmm. because right now Nest is designed to, to work with anything, work with yeah, but, pre-existing systems. Yeah. But down the line, let's say we go down five, ten years I could see that being a real issue, especially you're talking several generations down in the Nest product line. Uh, you could end up with a system that was optimized for Nest. And then, yeah, you know, you might, in theory, be able to disconnect it and then put in a generic thermostat, but it might not work very well. Kind of like the way Nest wasn't always compatible with everything that uh, existed pre-generation two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that that's another another area where people are like, well, what if I don't want that much data collected about me? And what if I want a dumb thermostat? And and I and I don't think that I mean, I think it's going to be at least a couple minutes before anyone is forcing us all to have smart thermostats, but that when the day comes, you'll be used to it. So don't worry about it. Yeah, By then, all of your data will be out already from everything else that we interact with. So our thermostat will be, you know, it'll be nothing by then. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what actually makes it tick. Uh, not that they tick. They don't tick. If, if your Nest is ticking, you might want to have that checked out. Now, uh, the Nest thermostat has multiple temperature sensors inside of it. And this is the idea of the multiple sensors is in order to get the most accurate reading on the temperature of the room, right? So uh, these sensors are are designed so that they can very carefully calibrate the climate system so it meets exactly what it is that the thermostat has learned you like. So if it knows that I like the temperature of my house, uh, especially, say, my bedroom, to be right around 70 degrees when I go to bed, it can... Uh, start that up when it gets close to bedtime and the rest of the time it may just be, you know, kind of a warmer temperature or colder depending upon what time of year it is. Um, and then, uh, so th- that's the main sensor obviously for heat, but it also contains motion and light sensors. So it can detect when people are home because if no one's home, then it can go into away mode, right? And, uh, auto away, I think is what they call it. But anyway, the, the idea is that it can then start to ramp down the, the, uh, the system so they're not putting out so, not consuming so much energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it used to be that it would wait, I think it was, it was more than an hour or an hour plus something to, before it would go into auto away. Now it's half an hour. Um, they did a software update. So I think even generation one will do it in half an hour now. So if it doesn't detect any movement, and if, uh, especially if you have a pattern of leaving at a, around a certain time each day, it'll go ahead and go, and go into that away mode uh-huh. so that it 
doesn't waste energy. Right. And then uh, there are all these algorithms that it has. It uses an onboard computer. It's actually got a microprocessor. It's an ARM-based microprocessor, so similar to what you would find in a mobile phone or a tablet. Uh, and it would run those algorithms to create those those uh, patterns and the responses to the patterns so that it would start to control the system and make sure it was the most comfortable whenever you happen to be coming home. Um, and that would be... Mm-hmm. And that's that learning behavior kind of thing, that, yeah. that, that proactive change. And it has both RAM and ROM. So, I mean, it's, it is it is like a little computer. It's like... Specific. It's a tiny wall-mounted computer that yep. knows what temperature you want it to be. Yep. It's got the Wi-Fi chip, obviously, that allows it to connect to your home network. This is what allows you to operate it via an app. Uh, right. Although they also can connect wirelessly directly to each other without going through your home network. That's true. So that if your power goes out, they can still talk to each other. Yeah. They're not... Obviously, if your power goes out, they are not going to be able... To, to control your control temperature. The system. <laughs> but uh, it means that in the in, in terms of the carbon monoxide and smoke detectors that they will still operate. Work yes, that way. exactly. Uh, one of the cool things I actually looked at a teardown of a Nest thermostat, and there was they they showed the battery inside the thermostat, and a couple cool things about it. One, the battery is there sort of to act kind of in the place of a capacitor. Now, a capacitor is designed to store up energy and then release it all at once. The battery's not releasing it all at once. What's there to do is to supplement the electricity that the Nest thermostat gets from your home. So you hardwire it to your home, right? So right. it's connected to your uh, HVAC system that way, and it draws power that way. But that power is not sufficient enough for it to do some of the ultra-cool things the Nest does, like broadcast over Wi-Fi or have that beautiful LCD screen which is, I think, uh, 24-bit and 320 by 320 resolution. So, you know, most thermostats don't have that. They don't need that much power, but this one does. So the battery provides that extra power. The cool thing about the teardown was they showed that not only is it a replaceable battery, but the directions on how to replace it are actually on the the various cables that attach to the battery itself. It says, hey! pull this, push this. And so uh, the the... It was iFixit. That's a great website for anyone who likes teardowns. You should go check that out. But specifically to show how easy or difficult it is to take apart various pieces of equipment if you ever have to repair it. So it's really meant for repair folk. You know, it's not necessarily meant for the average person. But they said this is remarkable because not only is it easy to do, but they even include instructions on how to do it. It's very it's very repair friendly, mm-hmm. which if you think back to the fact this guy's from Apple might shock you. <laughs> That's some commentary. But they also have sensors that are humidity sensors so that it can uh, control a humidifier or a dehumidifier if that's part of your climate control system. I do not have one of those. Um, uh, also, it can work with, uh, you know, have you ever seen the systems that have uh, uh, heating elements underneath floors so it can actually do radiant heating? It'll oh, heat the floor system. Yeah. They have, they'll work with the Nest 2. They have oh, uh, cool. sensors that'll work with that as well. Or warm is the case, maybe. Yes. Uh, it's pretty awesome. And, uh, and it's also important because one of the drawbacks to those, those systems, one thing is that they are really efficient and they're very quiet, but it takes a while for it to warm up a room and they tend to kind of muck with regular thermostats. Thermostats really have trouble hmm. being able to detect when a room is a comfortable temperature using this radiant heat technology. But the Nest one has a mode in it when you, if you have that kind of system and you hook it up into the Nest, it can take that into consideration and thus not be confused. So you don't end up with floors that are too warm to walk on. 
which would be bad. The floor is literally lava. The floor is lava. Oh no. Yeah. Um, so it also, uh, is, you know, it's, it's got all the elements of your basic computer is really what it is. It, and it's a circular circuit board. So if you look at those teardowns, it is a thing of beauty. And in fact, I think on the iFixit one in particular, they say, you don't see many circular circuit boards. This is pretty cool. That's that's really cute. That's yeah. that, I mean, it's it's an optimization of the space, which is yep. wonderful. But just that kind of design detail is wonderful. Yep, yep. So it's really an interesting product. Uh, it's one of those things where maybe eventually I will uh, I will go whole hog and and save up the money to re- uh, refit my house because I would need to. Sure. I would need it's a, it would be a significant investment. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking at that point at, for for me to replace the thermostats. And the smoke detectors in my house, we're talking more than a thousand dollars. So that's not a small amount of money. Uh, certainly not. But, um, you know, some of the cool stuff, I talked about what some of those naysayers are talking about with, with this entire Google deal, but some of the cool stuff that could go on, you know, uh, Nest could potentially collaborate with your Google apps to automatically detect when you're on vacation or how long it takes you to get home from work. Yep. And, uh, and, and update its temperature preferences based on that and its temperature, uh, warm up and cool downs. Yeah. I didn't even mention that the Wi-Fi connectivity allows it to even, uh, figure out what the temperature is in your region so that it can anticipate how hard it's going to have to work uh-huh. or how hard your HVAC system will have to work to counteract whatever the outside temperature happens to be. Mm -hmm. So here in Atlanta, for example, in, say, I don't know, July, it would know that the temperature outside is surface of the sun. And therefore, if you are going to be home in 45 minutes, it might as well start cranking up the AC now, because that's how long it's going to take it for your house to be habitable by the time you get there. Also some commentary. (laughs) Um. Also, Nest employees could potentially start collaborating with with other Google departments and and working on on hardware. Maybe maybe that elusive smartwatch that we've been hearing about, mm-hmm. or some of those automated cars or, or personal robots that Google X has been talking. If I find out that the Google automated car gets a Nest climate control system in it, I'm just like just 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 sell it. Just let me buy one. <laughs> or, or, or not even climate control. I mean, these are clearly incredibly um, uh, smart, savvy people who mm-hmm. are working for Nest. They could they could work on any number of projects. I oh, would sure. imagine they could they could be I mean, like, could Nest be Google's new smart home division? Yeah, no, it totally could be that. Now, you know, before we get all excited about that, let's keep in mind that Motorola has not exactly become Google's, you know, mobile division. No. And in no. fact, there's some talk of Motorola spinning off and becoming its own uh, uh, independent sub company thing again. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, there's we're not we're not ready to prognosticate fully yet. It's too bad I didn't make this one of my 2014 predictions that Google was going to buy Nest. I did not see that coming. No, I don't think anybody saw this one coming aside from maybe like Larry Page yeah. and, and maybe <laughs> Sergey Brin yeah. and Fidel. Yeah. yeah, I did make the joke on Twitter that uh, if Google wanted, they could pay me three point one billion and I'd be happy to manually change everyone's thermostat for them whenever <laughs> they liked. Uh, but they did not take me up on that. So Aww. I'm uh, sorry, Jonathan, which is too bad because then I could have afforded to get the nest ones. <laughs> put in my house. All right. Well, anyway, that wraps up our our discussion about Nest, the company, the fact that it has entered into this new era 
Uh, and, you know, we don't really know what that means yet. It could very well mean that we're going into an era where privacy becomes even a, a larger concern and that, you know, this this could mean some dark stuff in the future. I'm hoping that that's not the case. I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to see some really cool collaborations between Nest and Google come out of this and hopefully the kind that will benefit us as consumers uh, more so than, say, any kind of advertiser. I mean, that might be a little, you know. Uh, pie in the sky, but I, I'm still hoping. I, I think it could benefit all of us equally. <laughs> all right, there we go. Everyone can give everyone else a hug. Yay! So uh, a giant pillow fort hug. A pe- you know, it's it looks it looks so comfy. I'm gonna go right back over there in a second. So let me wrap this up, guys. If you have any suggestions for future topics of tech stuff, here is what I would like you to do. I would like you to send an email techstuff at discovery.com or you can drop us a line on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. You can find us there. We have the handle techstuffhsw and Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was wounded. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.